15 years ago, uh, when I first got married, Shelly and I went down to, the lo- to our local Lowe's, and I bought my very first washer and dryer. And it was, it was a Big, it was a big deal. And I don't know if you remember buying your first washer and dryer, but it was a big deal to me. It cost $300. The cheapest one they had at Lowe's. And I thought it was a good deal. And I remember I, 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 call, I called my dad and I asked him, I think, you, you know, do you think I ought to buy this? And he said, well, if you want to have clean clothes, you probably ought to do something. And then I remember that conversation. We brought it home. We hooked it up. And I was really excited about it. And, and you know what I didn't think on that day? I didn't think, you know, one day I might have to get another washer and dryer. I just thought, I've got a washer and dryer, and that's the way it's always going to be. And that cheapest washing machine that, that they sold at Lowe's almost 14 years later, you know what it did? It died. And, and it lasted longer than everybody said it was supposed to, but I didn't care. I was not ready for that. There was nothing in my mind that said, I'm ready for this washing machine to quit. But the reality was, as soon as it came off of the assembly line, as soon as they took it to 300 East Vianna Street in Anna, Illinois, that was our address, I pulled that out from the deep recesses, as soon as they hooked it up there, there was going to be a day when it was just going to stop working. And they knew that when they sold it to me. There are a lot of things in life that are designed to end. We don't like to think about the end. When you buy a brand new car, you don't like to think about the fact that, you know what, one day this prized possession is going to be a piece of junk. Right? I have driven some, some, some other people's prized possessions, and when they got to me, they were pieces of junk. And a lot of you, 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 can, you can all relate to that, right? Every teenager ought to go through that. I was calculating in my mind the other day, if I buy a car now, that way in, in eight years, that thing ought to be just about right for my son. Right? And we all understand that. When we understand that many of our relationships, many of our possessions, and really it is our experience in this world that ultimately they're things that are designed to end. It will change our relationship with those things. It will change our experience. It will change our expectations. And I believe it will change the way that we pay attention to those things. Let me give you a few examples tonight. The parent-child relationship designed to end. It's designed to end. You know, one, one of the most monumental choices that anybody in this room has ever made is when you made the choice to give life. Because whether you understood it or not, you were actually making a decision to allow your heart to walk around outside of your body, right? And, 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 and there it is. I mean, there goes your heart. And it goes off to preschool. And it goes off to elementary school. And one day, it's going to go off to college. And they're going to get a job. And, and sometimes they're going to give me dirty looks. And all of these things that, that, that are happening, right? But ultimately, that's a relationship that was never intended to last for our entire life. As a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, when, when, when that relationship between a parent and a child does not change or does not transform at some point, there's something wrong. Right? I mean, if, if my children are 30 years old and I'm still their primary breadwinner, I'm still taking care of them, there's something wrong. And I'm not saying that we don't find ourselves in, in those situations, 
I'm saying we're not supposed to find ourselves in those situations. We live in a, in a culture today where, you know, children are always coming back home. I have a brother. I have a brother-in-law. And they both came back home. And sometimes those things happen, but that's not because they're supposed to happen. That's not because that's the way those things are designed to happen. Something's wrong. Either something is wrong physically, something is wrong emotionally, something is wrong societally. Those are relationships that are designed to end. I need to understand that. You see, right now I have a hard time picturing my life without my little boy and my little girl. But you know, God God has given me a job, and God has given me the job that says, raise that young man. Raise that young lady. So that one day, he becomes a man of God himself. And she becomes a woman of God herself. That they stand on their own too. That That's the goal. That's, that's not the goal that I have. That's the goal that God has given. And as parents, we're always trying to, you know, I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't want to give them too much freedom, but I don't want to not give them enough because I want them to walk on their own. The psalmist said, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Those arrows that we are striving to launch out into the world, and, and everyone who has a child for any time at all has that struggle. How do I do that? How do I make that boy into a man? How do I make that girl into a woman? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. There are some things that I need to be teaching my children. Why? Because there's going to come a day when they're going to need to know those things. Deacon and I spent this afternoon learning how to stain wood. That's why my hands almost match my suit if you get real close to me. Okay? Because I, you scrub and you scrub and you can't get it off. But there was, in, my, in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, I could do this myself and it'd be a lot easier. He needs to know that. He needs to know how to change his own oil. Right? He needs to know how to, how to turn a screwdriver. Or, 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 he doesn't know how to, how to be a man. Who's, who's going to teach him those things? That's my job, all right? Sometimes that's a hard job. Ladies, if your daughter's ever going ever to be a keeper of the home and, 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 and be that helpmate for her husband, somebody's got to teach her those things. But we move out even outside of those physical things into that spiritual realm. If they're going to be able to stand on their own two feet, if they're going to know the Word of God, if they're going to be comfortable with this book, if they're going to be comfortable in pre- presenting this book and sharing God's Word and sharing that God, those things have to be taught. You send your children to school every day. Why? Because you're preparing them. Right? What are you preparing them for? You're preparing them for a day when that relationship is going to drastically change. And maybe even drastically end as we know it. Right? And if that doesn't happen, there's something wrong. Jesus said, "Is for this cause that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." How many marriages have so many problems because they don't understand this? The relationship is intended to end. That doesn't mean that my wife doesn't have a relationship with her parents, but it means that she has left that relationship and now she has a relationship with me. It doesn't mean that I don't love my parents. We have, we have a great relationship. But I'm not, just, I'm not primarily their son. I'm Shelly Hazel's husband. That's the way God intended it to be. That parent-child relationship. It's intended to end. 
And I think it would make a big difference in my parenting uh, if I understood that. It's designed to end. You know, the journey that we walk in our Christian faith from that immaturity to maturity. Every person in this room has been immature. Right? Every person in this room has had times when you didn't understand and you didn't have the depth and you didn't have the background. So don't look down at somebody else because whoever you're looking down at, all you're doing is looking at where you've been. There's nothing wrong with being immature. There's something wrong with staying immature. Immaturity is something that's supposed to end. God has an expectation. If our children get to their senior year of high school and they can't do basic math, is there a problem? Yeah, the system would be broken if, if, if you know, we, 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 they talked in the news for lots of years about all of these children that, that couldn't read. But why, why is that a problem? Because they're supposed to grow, right? By the time you get to such and such a point, you're supposed to be able to read. You're supposed to come to some level of maturity. And when that doesn't happen, there's a problem. That's not what is intended to be. John, or Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody's been a baby. Everybody in here has been a baby. Right? Sometimes you listen to Dave Ramsey and he, he talks about what is he, the, 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 the powdered rear syndrome, he calls it. And he, and he says, he says no, nobody, nobody that's powdered your rear wants your advice about money or about relationships. And there may be some truth in that, but what I do know is that everybody in here has been a baby. Right? There are pictures to prove it. But if you're still a baby, if you're still a babe in Christ, after a decade, after 20 years, after 30 years, after 40 years, that's when there's a problem. It's designed to end. And that's what the Hebrew writer spoke about in Hebrews 5. He said, by this time, you ought to be teachers. I mean, there's a certain level of expectation where you, you shouldn't still be struggling with these things. I, I shouldn't have to be explaining these things to you. If, if you've been a Christian, listen, if you've been a Christian for 30 years and you can't pretty easily find me the book of Leviticus, there's a problem. I mean, there's just a problem there. You, you, you ought to be teachers. There's some expectation of where you ought to be. See what's happened? He said, He said, You have need, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. We can't stay babies. We can't stay immature. This young man is about to take a big step. He doesn't even know he's, he's going to take. He thinks he knows, but he doesn't know. He's going, to, he's going to learn things that he doesn't know he doesn't know. Why? To prepare himself. See, growth, maturity, takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes a dissatisfaction with where I am today. And I hope that we can all rejoice over, over the growth that we've had in Christ in the last decades of our life. But I hope that we all can see, I can be more. God can make more. It's intended to end. 
For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. We're going to keep Lindley at the house. And you know what? Lindley doesn't eat anything. Nothing. No bacon, no eggs, no chocolate pie. I mean, you could... It, nothing. Just milk. Nothing wrong with that. But if we show up three or four years from now, and we put some bacon down in front of Lindley, and she says, I don't want that, I just want some milk. It's a problem, right? Right? There's a problem there. That's when you say, we've got to go see a doctor, and we've got to consult a specialist about these things. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be taking on that meat. Those things that once intimidated us about God and about His Word and about His will. We need to be attacking those things. We need to be seeking those things out. Growing because of practice, having their senses trained to discern good and evil. You're going to have to grow. There are some of you that can spot it from a mile away. Right? Right, Scott, you got all these kids and they and they don't know and they don't always know. They don't they can be walking on a, on a bad road, they don't even know they're on it. You know it, don't you? How? Because you've practiced your senses. You've seen it over and over. I've been there, I've done that. That's called maturity. Same thing in our same thing in our Christian walk, same, same thing in our Christian faith. Immaturity is designed to end. Not only that. Maybe most importantly, and really where I wanted us to get this evening, life and death. This life. It's designed to end. That's what we talked about this morning when we read from Ecclesiastes of the value of going to the house of mourning. We don't like to think about these things. So we don't. And we just go on as if that washing machine is going to run forever. And this body is going to always be here. And it's, you know, it's been working for 60 years, so it's going to keep on. And we just don't like to think about it. But if I know something's going to end, it changes the way that I, that I value it in the present. It changes the way that I use that time in the present. Paul wrote about this in 2 in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When he said, indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now He, I love this, now He who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. We spend our lives walking around. What is God's purpose? What is God doing? What is God building towards? And there may be a lot of answers to those things. But he says that everything in this life is not just building towards things in this life. He says everything in this life is building towards a day when we will no longer be in this life. When it will no longer be about the temporal and the physical, but it will be about the spiritual and the eternal. That's what God's preparing us for. You ever ask that question? What is God preparing me for, Bradley? What is God doing today to get me ready for tomorrow? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's a wonderful question to ask, right? He says here that one of the things He's preparing us for is when we're not going to be here anymore. That's, that's the great work that God is doing. See, the, the mortality rate is 100%. Last I checked, right? 
Everybody, everybody saved Jesus Christ and two others, I mean, they've died. Everybody you've ever known, at some point, either they have died or they will die. Their life is going to come to an end. The question is, does that happen to us? Or do we, or do we approach it? Do we storm the mountain? I'm not talking about wanting to die and being masochistic and things like that. But, I, but some of the greatest men that I've ever been around were people who understood this. People who understood, I'm not here to be here. I'm here to be there. And I've seen men and I've seen women look death in the eye and they didn't even blink. Why? Because they understood this. What is God preparing you for? Is He preparing you to graduate high school or to be a parent or to be a grandparent? Or to... He's preparing us for a day when we will leave this world. The Hebrew writer said it like this in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, "...and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment." It's coming. It's coming. Nobody should get to the end of their life and say, well, I, just, I didn't know I was going to die. But we just don't think about it. Just like I didn't think about that washing machine. I know human life is much more valuable than a washing machine. But sometimes I think we treat it about the same. We just don't think about it. We expect it to go on forever. If I understand that this world really isn't my home, I'm just passing through. We're saying the words... But sometimes we get so comfortable in this life that I don't think about going other places. One of the things that, that, that I've always noticed about going to uh, second world and third world countries is, is that they seem to have such a better grasp of the fact that this world is not their home. Because for them, their existence in this world isn't always so great. They want something to look forward to. And sometimes, you know, I go home in my car that has heated seats and I go to my several thousand square feet home and sit on my couch and I've got a movie on and i got food in the refrigerator and if I'm too hot, I make it cooler and if I'm too cold, I make it warmer. And, you know, my wife rubs my head and it's, you know, it's life ain't so bad. Why would I want to go anywhere? Right? But I have to consciously come back to say, this world is not my home. There is actually something better than this life. This, is, this isn't what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's about going to be with the Lord for all of eternity. When I understand that, that affects my life. Why in the world? Why in the world would you give money to support Jonathan? To support the work that they're going to do over there in Haiti for people that you don't know and you've never met? Why would you do that? Why would you send Steve with money to, to Nigeria? Why, why would you support our young people on our mission trip? Why, why, why would you do anything besides eat, drink, and be merry? It's because I know that this world isn't really what it's all about. I thought about this when, when Jonathan was talking over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. When Paul says, instruct those who are rich in this present world, and that's you and me, not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them, you tell them, you tell the church, you tell the rich people, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share. Why? Verse 19. 
Because when we do that, we are storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So that we can put our treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy instead of in this world where everything will be destroyed. That's why. That's why. That's why you ought to consider it. That's why you ought to think about it. And whether you help Jonathan or not, you need to be helping somebody. You need to be taking all the stuff that God's given you. And I know we, none of us think it's enough, but it's a whole lot more than most. And investing that in God's kingdom. Because His kingdom isn't just in this world. That great victory that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15, when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality. The life with all of its pains, and all of its aches, all of its heartaches, that's life in the flesh, isn't it? I don't have to explain that. When it puts on the imperishable, when it puts on immortality, that's what God's preparing us for. This life is designed to end. We're not designed to run all day long. We're not designed to run this race from here to eternity. And aren't we thankful for that? But I think I just need some relief. I just need a break. I just need something to happen. Okay, something's going to happen. The imperishable, or the perishable is going to become imperishable and the mortal is going to become immortal. And when that happens, it's not the worst thing that ever happened. Some of you have gone to the funerals and you've buried your father just a few short weeks ago, but that was not the worst day of his life. Right? It was the greatest day of his life. It was the greatest day. Because it's then that comes about what is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Because it's not, it's not just the race. It's about crossing the finish line. This life and everything in it is designed to end. And I need to remember that. I must remember that. As I raise my children, I need to understand that it's designed to end. As I think about my relationship with my wife, was in Charlotte, 59 years. Wow! That's a long time. Do you know in heaven, they're not going to be married? Can you even comprehend that, Charlotte? I mean, to me, that's how I know heaven's going to be a whole lot different than anything I've ever experienced. Because we're going to be there. Me and Shelly are both going to be there. And we're not going to be husband and wife. I don't understand that. But it tells me, listen, this marriage is not just about us enjoying each other. This marriage is about us going somewhere. One day it's going to end, babe. But we're going to go to something better. That relationship of the immature to the mature. I can't, I can't sit there in my life and say, I've never, I've never read God's Word. Read God's Word! I can't sit there and say, I've never shared my faith with somebody. Share your faith! 
It's about growing. That's what God expects. That's what He died for. I love babies. We can't stay babies. We've got to grow into men. Men of honor and men of valor and men of God. This is about our life. Some of us have some good lives. We do. If you, if you, if you forget that, let's, let's just look around us. Jonathan, you can show those slides again, okay? If some of us are forgetting about our lives. Because I think I've probably been to some, some, some of the people who have the smallest homes here, and I didn't see anybody living in a, in a, in a home that had a wall made out of garbage, garbage trash can liner. That's what that looked like to me. We got a pretty good life. But you know what? Whether my life is here or my life would be there, this life's not what it's about. This life is building towards something. Their life is building towards something. It's building toward an end. And that's really what it's all about. And Solomon gets to the end of his life and he's had all the money and he's had all the women and he's had all the wisdom and he's had all the pleasure. Don't we like all those things? Don't we like all those things? Don't we make our lives about all of our things? And he gets every bit of it. And what does he say? It's vanity. Vanity. Didn't bring me satisfaction. Didn't bring me contentment. Didn't bring me peace. I've got more money. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got education. Hadn't brought me peace in my life. This hadn't brought me peace. Matter of fact, it's kind of made me want... Want more in some ways. Not on the women part. You got me. So we come to the end of his life and he said, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole of man. You stick your own life in there. Are you struggling with this life? It's okay. This life is designed to end. Are you living everything for this life? This life is designed to end. Don't forget that. When we forget it is when we, is when we become despondent and we turn inward. But when we remember it is when we begin to be lights in a world of darkness. Friends, if you have a need tonight to change the trajectory of your life, to stop running just to run, why don't you answer the invitation? Why don't you come and be baptized into Christ? Because there's coming a day when that's going to matter. Do you know? There's coming a day when whether or not you're actually in Christ is going to matter. It's going to make all the difference. If there's sin that you're holding on to, why don't you repent of it? Because there's coming a day when that's going to matter. That's all that's going to matter. This life, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but it's going to end. I want that to be a great day. I want that to be a day when death is swallowed up in victory. That is God's intention. Won't you come tonight as we stand and as we sing?